Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Having desires in of itself is not wrong. Lust is not wrong. That which we lust after can be wrong. For example, what is not wrong? God gives us the desire to drink, so we drink. God gives us the desire to eat, so we eat. God gives us the desire to work hard and have a little ambition, to do the best we can, set some goals. That's not wrong for that. God does give you the desire for sexual intimacy. That is all part of God's wiring system so that we would move ahead. He places that desire within us, and then now you have two things generally going on. God says, I put those desires in you, And then I'm going to show you that which you should properly desire and then how to reach that goal. So in so doing, the end product will be you will be blessed, you'll have a crown of life, and you'll have intimacy with me because you've done it my way. Satan comes along and he says, okay, I'm going to work off God's same strategy. I too am going to provide something to you through a desire. The only difference is I hate you. I want to destroy you. And I want to make sure that God has no glory and there's no intimacy between you and God. And so now he takes that very same drive within us, that same desire, but he now parades something else in front of us. So instead of maybe drinking some liquid that would be healthy for us, he puts something in front of us that'll change our thinking pattern, that'll cause our attitude to change, our behavioral to change. And when that happens, who knows what can happen if we're driving. And then we can move into food, we can talk about sexual issues, we can even talk about ambition that has destroyed companies and people families because it was out of line so you have desire that's going on so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad it's what we do with it that makes it good or bad number two deception so after we have desire going now we get into the deceptive mode it says he has drawn away and enticed now those are two words drawn away and enticed both of them come out of a little bit of a sporting background from the original language one of them was used by those who would be hunters and so when you're drawn away there was like a trap Some of you might remember that particular Sunday that I was here using this illustration on a similar verse. I had a mousetrap up in front, and inside that mousetrap, it was already set with some cheese on the end of this thing. And I had a pencil out here, and I was talking about how that this trap is a trap to destroy us, but also to entice and draw into this trap a particular culprit that we want to catch. And remember, Satan wants to catch us to destroy us, just like we like to catch and destroy those little varmints that kind of get into our house. But you remember what he does. He puts a little bit of bait up there. Bait that would be especially enticing to the one that would come to that trap. It looks pretty good. Smells real good. I really like it. And all they did is wooden metal. And so we go in and I brought that pencil right to the very close point of the trigger. And do you remember when I just lightly, just lightly, just brushed up against the trigger? Bam! It went like that. The pencil splintered and flew everywhere. That's about how quick it is. So we have this desire to eat. Nothing wrong with that. Satan puts this in front of us, this particular desire that we have. Now he puts the object there. But like a trap, he wants to destroy us, to paralyze us, to hinder us from reaching the full potential that God has for us. But there's also another word in there. It's the word entice. Now that's a fisherman's term. That's a word like to catch or to bait. And so just like that trap had that piece of cheese in there, Satan comes along and he wants to trap us. So I guess I ask you and me the same question. What bait is the Lord putting in front of us 
that we now won't go in the wrong direction, but we'll say, Lord, we need your strength. We want to be like you. We want to do what's right. And then what will Satan put in front of us, knowing our hot button as well, knowing that if we go after it, we are trapped, we're held in bondage for destruction. What bait is he going to use where we have the greatest propensity to? One writer said that if there were probably three areas of low water crossings in our life that pride fits out of, that'll be these three. Take some inventory. The first one would be this, bitterness, an unforgiving heart. We keep records. We have unrealistic expectations and we're let down. We have a raw deal and now we don't get mad. We have to get even in bitterness. Maybe your low water crossing is in bitterness. You forgive easily. You kind of give people a break. You have a lot of mercy and you have an understanding spirit. But your low water crossing is going to be greed. Where for you, you don't ever have enough. You came from so little that now you want to have more and more and more. So now it becomes manipulation, intimidation, thievery. Twisting, cooking the books, whatever it might be, because you're, you're bound by greed and whatever it would take to be able to get that, whatever it might be. And then there's another low water crossing that some people seem to have, and that is that they might not struggle with bitterness and they might not be greedy, but their issue is moral impurity. That they keep thinking about what it'd be like if I was with so-and-so and how that might make me feel and I'm lonely here and God wants me to be happy there. and So all of a sudden, moral impurity. So after all three of these, those are low water crossings. And Satan will bait the hook. And the question is, is, is there a hook baited for us that Satan wants to hold us in bondage, to draw us into, to ultimately destroy us? So it moves from desire to deception, but that's not enough. It goes a little bit further. It now moves down into disobedience. So we have the head thing going on. I got the desire. That's not right or wrong. It's okay to have a desire. So Satan now says, okay, I'm going to take that desire and I'm going to deceive you with it to get you to a point that not only you're deceived, you're going to act upon that deception and become disobedient. And here's what it says. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. I was reading in another paraphrase this morning out of the message. In this little passage, the way they said it was kind of cute. It said, you know what happens? When lust takes over, it gives birth to a baby. And this particular baby now is called sin. And in a few moments it says, and this baby called sin grows up to become a murderer or a destroyer. And that's what happens. It starts with lust. It gives forth birth to sin. And once you have sin, it brings forth a form of death. There's separation from the intimacy with God, relationships with others, and your own heart. And so there becomes a great problem with that. A phrase I like to use is what you flirt with, you can fall for. And so that's where we have to be very careful. It's all around us wherever we go. We say, that's just a harmless fantasy. I don't think so. I think it's a lot more sinister than that. So here's what happens. Satan gets our attention, right? From our attention, we develop a, hmm, I wonder what it'd be like. And it's called an attitude. And then it gives birth, if we keep feeding that, into an action. And that action is a one-way street to destruction. Well, it moves from disobedience now to death. And it says, and sin, once it grows up or once it finishes, it now brings forth death. And that's a horrible, horrible consequence. Now, some of you probably already know this. But maybe this little point will be a wake-up call to you. I can choose whether or not I will go into sin. It's pretty easy. It's all around me. I don't even have to be at the beach to have an immoral thought in my mind. You know what I'm saying. 
I don't have to be at the mall to be able to think of what it would be like to have this and I'll get it no matter how I want. And I don't care. I can love all of you, but all I have to do is maybe have an improper thought towards you and what you did or didn't do or didn't say or did say to me and I could have bitterness. And that becomes a thought. I can choose to do that. But here's what you and I cannot choose. If we choose to yield to that temptation and not beat it, we cannot choose the consequences. God says, you can choose whether you do right or wrong. That's your free choice. I'm now teaching you because how much? Oh, how I love you. I'm bringing you this message because I know you are going to be faced with temptation the rest of your life, but particularly this week. He's giving you the spirit to warn you, to teach you, to remind you. But here's one thing he's not going to give you and me the choice. And that is, what's the consequences if we choose to disgod and go after this? And so once that comes, and now we feel the full weight of the wrong choice that we made, I don't want you to think that God is up in heaven saying, <laughs> see what happens to you? Nah, 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 nah. God doesn't do that. He's up in heaven and he's saying, I'm grieving, I'm hurt. Look what you've done. Look what it's going to cost you. This wonderful plan that you could have for your life. All this blessing and a crown of life is waiting for you. But you chose to disregard me. Disregard what you were taught on Sunday. And now you're suffering and he's grieving over that. Because he knows in his sovereignty and his wisdom how much more we could have had. He's not laughing at us. He's weeping because of us. But there's that consequence. So when we're in that consequence... Yep, it's true. We can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I have really blown it. Many in this room probably can go back and realize they made a wrong choice. They've confessed that sin now, and hopefully they've redirected their life. Okay, let's say they've done that. And so they have learned from that. And they will forever say, I thank God that God gave me, quote, a get out of jail card. And I took that by going to him and confessing that sin of what I did that brought this consequence but here's what they cannot do. God did not give them a remove the scar card. Did you catch what I just said? There are people that are seated probably within 24 inches of you that should they feel inclined, they could tell you today that they are living the consequences until the day they die of yieldedness to a temptation. That will never change. I'm not going to paint the picture I think God will paint a much more panoramic view of the consequences of someone who chooses not to follow him. That's the disobedience. We can choose to get into it, but we can't choose the consequences. I can choose my kicks, but I can't choose my kickbacks. It's important. So, be realistic, be responsible, get ready. And now I love to say this. Now James moves from the negative to the positive. So let's look to show you now how he moves from the negative to the positive with number four. So he says, here's what you do. He says, yeah, you've got to be realistic. Yeah, take responsibility. Yes, at the same time, you're going to have some issues right here. So make sure you do it right. But now he says, be refocused. Be refocused. You know, temptation, listen, this is important. If temptation starts with an inner thought or an inner desire that's inside of us, it's an inside job that we now begin to feed and it becomes outside, don't you know that the Lord also says that the solution to that problem is also an inside job? So he says, what you've got to do is start on the inside and he says, you need to refocus through this thing. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes there'll be people so well-meaning to teach you that the way you do this now 
is to focus on all the bad stuff you do and think about all the bad temptations that you have and really try to avoid that to the very best of your ability. And that's all they ever hammer. That's not necessarily bad because the Bible does say that if you're around bad company, it will corrupt good manners. So if you hang around the wrong kind of people, whether it's visually on the screen or whether it's on a team or a neighbor or wherever you might be, eventually their mindset will become yours no matter how hard you try to push back against it. Bad company will corrupt good manners. So there is that avoiding of the sin. However, that's not the best or the strongest and only way to do that. The way we do it now is, is by refocusing now, not on so much not doing the negative, but it's far better for us to refocus on doing that which would be the positive for the Lord. That's why over Scripture it talks so much about abiding in the Word. Let your mind, or the mind of Christ, be your mind. It talks about whatsoever things are pure of a good report. He says, think on those things. For example, let me just do a little game here with you. The Bible doesn't say, don't think about the color blue. Because if you were to hear the verse, don't think about blue, what do you think about then? What? Blue. Now, obviously, we have to flee sin and then follow righteousness. There is that balance there. But it's far better to think about abiding in the word, how much Jesus loves us, how much he has the best life. Do not follow the, the uh, secular worldview. Follow the biblical worldview. Realize that God is going to balance the books in your life, not on planet earth, but in heaven when you get there. Keep your mind on Christ. You serve him with all your heart, soul, and mind. Leave the results up to God. You keep thinking about that. So when this all comes up in front of you, I promise you, Satan is, is better at it than you and I will ever be at parading in front of us all the tinsel, all the glamour and the glitter and the gold and all the happy faces as they parade all these people and all the wonderful lifestyle of living that horrific lifestyle they have because it was written by someone at a computer making money off of that show that they're putting in front of you that you think that's probably the norm when it's really not because this guy's so frustrated he's got to manufacture it in a written fashion to put it on the screen for us to think that's normal. Is everybody awake on this? Are you tracking with me a little bit? All right. And that's what happens. So instead of that part, think about what can I use with my time? How can I use my money properly? How can I make this thing really work? So we think about that which is right. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to give you one other thought to refocus on. If you're saying, you know what? The temptation is horrifically powerful, stronger than I am. You're humble and you're admitting that. When you're saying that Satan is far more deceptive, so tricky, his wiles are so strong, I don't know if I could figure them out. That's okay. That's being humble. Don't say defeated, but that's humble. Now what you do is you refocus by redirecting on thinking about, you know what? I can't, but he can. If Jesus was tempted by Satan face to face, which he was, but when he was tempted, Jesus shut Satan down, if Jesus can shut Satan down and Jesus lives inside of me, that if I yield to Christ and allow him to live his life out through me, then he can shut down the temptations of Satan. Now, practically, how did he do that? He simply gave Satan the word of God. So that goes all the way back full circle to our core value at International. You got to know the book. You got to embrace the book. You got to abide in the book. You got to live the book. You got to slice your wrists and bleed scripture, so to speak. And when you do that, you're redirected to that. You're redirecting the Christ that's in you, and that's the exchange life. And so if you're sitting here, or you're listening to me on radio, or wherever, and you're saying, man, I'm always living a defeated life, you don't have to continue living a defeated life of losing the battle of temptation. You have the winner inside of you, which is Jesus Christ. So I hope that might help you. 
One writer says this, if you don't want to get stung, get away from the bees. All right, let's go to number five now. This is the fifth and final one. Yes, we need to refocus or redirect, but number five is we need to be reborn. And I'm saying that to any of you that are still struggling with all the temptations, whatever it might be, from language to drinking to thoughts to whatever might be out there. It's possible that as much as you know that it's wrong, you don't have any power source within you other than yourself. And you mean well. You say, I really want to overcome. I really try to overcome that. But it may mean that you're trying to do it in the flesh because, frankly, that's all you got. When Jesus says, I want to come inside of you through my Holy Spirit, I want to set up residence there. I want to give you the power source that's more powerful than Satan, more powerful than sin, more powerful than the the temptation. I want to put the victor inside of you, which is Christ. And he says, now you have everything there, so you just kind of go to him and you got that power. But you have to do that by being reborn. Look at the verse. It says this. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Very simply put, he put us into his forever family. We were born again by the word and that gives us the power source in order for us to win. So if you haven't accepted Christ as your savior yet, I pray that you come to him right now and you say to the Lord, Lord, first of all, I love you. Because you first loved me on the cross. And right now, Lord, my love for you is to receive you as my personal Savior. I'm coming to you not with a changed life or promising to be good or do anything different. I'm coming to you a broken individual that emotionally and socially and spiritually, I'm basically lost. I'm doing the best I can, but I'm lost. I'm now living the consequences of giving into temptation. And at the time, I didn't even think it was wrong when I was doing it. But now, Lord, I know it's wrong. I'm I'm seeing the results of it. And so, Lord, I want to be in your forever family. I want to be forgiven of that. I want to have a do-over. I want to start a new life in Christ. I want to be able to have the power source so that I could rear my family the way I should, so I could have intimacy with you like I really want. And so I want to be born again by your word. And his word simply says, for God so loved you that he gave his only son, that if you would believe in Christ, You wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. But to him that works not, but believes on him that will justify the ungodly, your faith is all that it takes. That'll justify you if you place your faith in Jesus Christ. So what are those five again? They're very important. Be realistic. You need to be responsible through this. You need to take these things into your heart and take real ownership of it. I hope at the same time that You'll also refocus and be reborn. Two other thoughts. Get around some good godly people. Sometimes we're so easily deceived into such issues of temptation because we're around the people that are not trying to walk with the Lord. So watch your friends. Watch those human influences in your life. Get around some good godly people. And then finally, get into God's word. Spend some time in a Bible study. There's great Bible studies on site here off-site on the island, of great people that love the word that are on the same journey with you, beating the battle of temptation. And they'd sure love to come alongside of you. And never forget the payoff when you do. You're blessed. Crown of life. God says that you can't have a victory without a battle. But I'm going to give you the victory so you can win. Maybe right now some of you are thinking that uh, someone called me this week because you have been succumbing to some form of, of temptation over and over and over again. 
Maybe it's language. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's a, a rebellious spirit. Maybe it's gossip. Some of you just gossip. You just do that. Some of you might have a problem with bitterness. You just can't get past someone who really hurts you and continues to hurt you. And so now you go to bed at night, you're angry at them because they made you bitter. And so again, now you've got that problem of passing the buck and not being responsible. And now today you're saying, I'm ready for it now, Lord. I'm going to be realistic. I'm easily tempted into these issues. I'm taking responsibility with this. Would you do that, my friend? Would you have a little talk with the Lord right now? Go through this passage. Maybe memorize the whole passage. How good that might be for you if you did. So, be ready. Satan is very deceptive. Watch out for those thoughts that are so easily to come in, those little foxes that can spoil the vine. Remember how much God loves you. He's given you the principles where that you can beat the battle of temptation. What's your hot button? Who do you hang around with? What do you need to do to refocus, redirect? As a Christian now, what will you do differently as a result of this message? Because Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. The winner of every battle of temptation is right there inside of you, prompting you. What will you do differently? What do you need to change in your life right now? Perhaps for a moment, let the Lord speak to you on the horrific consequences that will continue to grow as a result of giving in to temptation. How will this affect your kids, careers, future mates, your grandkids? How will it affect your singleness? How will it affect your job, your career, your neighbors? How will it be if you have covered up your sin, men, only to find that when you die and everybody thought you were the wonderful husband and wonderful man of God and the wonderful dad, only to find your private stash of pornography on the internet or at home? How would it be after you pass where you can't ever correct it. And the last thing now they remember of you is the duplicity that you've lived. Maybe today is the day you've got to give it all up for God. Get all in so you can go all out. Is there anyone here, as a Christian now, that's saying, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to beat the battle of temptation. I now have... The game plan through the Word of God, the powerful Word of God given to me. And so, Pastor, would you pray for me? With every head bowed and every eye closed, man or woman, young man, young woman, if you'd like for me to pray for you, would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone here today? Pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see the young people. Now, for those of you that haven't trusted Christ, is there anyone in here that needs to be reborn knowing that you've fought this battle a long time and unfortunately you've lost it many times and now you know that God wants to wrap his ever-loving arms around you and that your enemy is really Satan, it's not others and that God says, I'll give you victory now, I'll help you with this but I have to be your Savior and your Lord. And so he says, I'm willing to forgive you of your past and give you power for your present and your future.
Would you trust me now as your only hope to get into heaven? Is there anyone that would indicate that you're trusting Christ today to be your forever savior and the victor in your life over the temptations that are going to bring forth sin and death? Is there anyone? God bless you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you've taught us. And Lord, we're so excited because now we have a new plate of mercies in front of us. We now have a game plan from your word. We've been reminded of the power sources you and that you're going to live your life out through us because we're going to let you do that. So Father, as we face this week, we are going to be a light to a dark world of true Christianity and what it's all about. Not a goody two-shoes, false, pious, piffle type spirituality of outward stuff that looks right, sin management, but inside we're raging sinners of lust and greed and bitterness and moral impurity. But true, authentic intimacy with you because, Father, oh, how much you love us. And we love you by resisting temptation. In your name we pray, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.